Hello and welcome to the final race review back of the grid this season. It's been a long one. One more to digest and then on to season review. I'm joined by Chris. Hello, we made it. Jet, we did it. Jet lagged. Jet lagged Just Chris. So jet lagged. On his way to ill health, I think, Stu. <laughs> uh, hopefully not, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, throat's a bit scratchy today, but I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll power through. And I am recovering from ill health, Tom. So, oh my God, this is going to yeah, be a good show. It's going to be so entertaining. <laughs> right, final race of the season. Um, I'll let Chris do his race notes on it because Chris always does his due diligence when writing them. So Let's just get into it, shall we? Hand over to him. I suppose we'll start with Max, as we often do this season. Uh, 15th win of the year, which means he has the outright record now for most wins in the season. Uh, three wins in a row at Abu Dhabi. This is the first track he's got three wins at. Um, I mean, in, it, it was a, a dominant win in a season of lots of dominant wins, wasn't it? I don't know what more you can say. He was, once again, just unbeatable. Yep. Yeah, it was. Uh, he's the first person to get... <laughs> Uh, a hat trick of poles there, I believe. I remember hearing during qualifying as well, which mm. kind of surprised me. Um, I don't know if it's that more people have, like, people have definitely had three, but never done three back to back. Yeah, um, and I think that was like the specific thing. But yeah, it was a an interesting little stat I heard thrown around during quali. I think pretty much everyone who's won this race has won from pole as well. So. I mean, he kind of won it on Saturday, I suppose. Yeah. But, um, I mean, yeah, like we've we've just, there's no more superlatives for Verstappen's season, is there really? Just what what a dominant yeah. performance from him and Red Bull this year. Um, just from kind of mid-season yeah, onwards, he's really just have, been unbeatable. There's been no competition for him, has there? No continues no. to be ridiculously good. Uh, the interesting stuff, though, was the fight for second behind him, which went down to the line on the last lap of the last race, which is always good fun. Uh, in the end, it was Leclerc that uh, took it. He held off Perez by just over a second at the line. Um, Leclerc, interestingly, was... A lot of drivers tried the one stop and it didn't work out that well for them. Um, but the top two were kind of the only two that really made the one stop work massive in their favor um Perez did a two-stop but couldn't catch Leclerc quite in time um I mean Leclerc I'm sorry Perez had a tough time getting past Hamilton and then he sort of got held up by a couple of back markers which was probably the deciding factor in the end yeah I think so. I, I did quite enjoy that <laughs> um Perez being held up somewhat by Lewis Hamilton I feel like uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it just desserts but definitely Hamilton wasn't going to do him any favors and let him buy easy was he No yeah, not at I, all I think um it was covered quite well the fact that he made a little bit of a mistake in probably going for Hamilton in after the first DRS zone first trying yeah. to try to overtake him it just allowed Hamilton to come back at him and I mean it, it, if he'd have done that differently, it probably wouldn't still wouldn't have been enough to actually catch and pass Charles. But a couple of things like that probably just added up, didn't they? And, and, and uh, kind I, of ruled it out. Yeah, I reckon like there was probably a second there. I would say, and yeah. he was one point seven seconds behind on the second, well, on the last lap. 
Uh, yeah, I think that combined with what was going on with, oh, was it Gasly and somebody who were fighting in front of him? Yeah. yeah. And taking a bit too long to let him pass. I think I think those two things combined really scuppered any chance that he had of actually catching Leclerc. Um, I, think... yeah, I mean, he was clearly quicker than Leclerc, but not not with those two things, like holding him back for an extra lap or two. No, I think Gasly not giving him an easy time lapping him in what was Gasly's final race in the Red Bull yeah. family was no coincidence mm-hmm. either, Yeah, to be I agree. I, I was thinking at the time, you can tell Gasly's not going to be driving for Red Bull. And he's like exactly, yeah. <laughs> Because I remember in Qatar last year, Gasly was trying to hold up Mercedes's. Oh, yeah, and practically yeah. drove off the road to let Verstappen through at one point yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean... The the gap was coming down really quickly early on, but I think you said at the time, Stu, like Perez just seemed to munch his tires a bit too yeah. fast in that final phase, and like the speed the gap was closing just was dropping way too quickly for him. Um, yeah, I think that strategy was. I don't think that strategy was ever going to. I think it was always going to be a stretch that strategy. I think um, Ferrari kind of dummied them into it somewhat. Yeah, because um, Leclerc was like very complimentary of Ferrari's strategist after the race. He sort of said they've really sort of upped their game in recent races. And yeah, they basically said they, because they did the pit opposite Perez call um, and Perez came in and Ferrari said that was a complete dummy just to goad Red Bull into pitting and they fell into their trap. Um, wow. There you go. I mean, you, you can choose or, to not believe that or, if you want to, but... Yeah, it could be that, or it could be that Perez is, was just getting through tyres quicker than yeah. they thought he was going to do, and they had to pit him for a fresh set, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to know when you're not inside the team, isn't it? But yeah, it, I mean... Yeah. It's also very easy afterwards to say, yeah, well, we were always planning on not coming in. Exactly. We, we just oh, said yeah. the opposite yeah, thing to that. make them do it. Like, it's quite <laughs> easy to say that. Fact, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think... Perez just wasn't quick enough this weekend. That, no. That's the the long and short of it is he wasn't fast enough. Yeah, you know, he, he did a decent result in qualifying, qualified second, but when it came to the race, he he kind of, he, did, he simply was not fast enough to, to take the fight to um, the Ferraris. And Yeah, it's, it's interesting as well because like Perez traditionally has been the tyre management master but Leclerc was just on another level of tyre management in this race he did such a phenomenal job of just being fast at the right times keeping the tyres alive yeah Um, so there's been a lot of talk on the internet about like how people think people seem to think some people seem to think that Verstappen should have done more to help Perez I wondered what you guys thought about that I'm not down for that like it was it was something like seven seconds ahead of Leclerc at the time, and Perez was then also seven seconds behind Leclerc. So that means he's got to slow down enough to, to for Leclerc to sort of get to him and then defend from him while Leclerc's got DRS for however long it takes Perez to then close that gap and then yeah. overtake him. Like, let, letting Leclerc get into the DRS zone would have been a mistake. I don't yeah. know why people think contrary to yeah, that. Yeah. Like... It, yes, he could have defended, but we could you could see from the way that the race panned out, like he'd have been able to defend from him for two laps, maybe, maybe at most. And I don't think that's enough time for Perez to have closed the seven second no. gap and then overtaken him. It just wasn't enough. And it was they were putting the win in jeopardy. Like the, the win is what 
means. Yeah, the, yeah. Win, the and, win is the most important thing for sure. Yeah. Like, was there anything else Verstappen could have done to help other than that? Do you think? I mean, I mean could have let him have that position in Brazil, Brazil, but that in hindsight that wouldn't have made any difference because no, it would have it have gained Perez two extra points to what he had, which has still left him a, him a point short yeah, on Leclerc okay. after Abu Dhabi anyway. So it, regardless of it turns out regardless of what happened in Brazil, Perez would have still finished second. It, um, it would have had it would have had to have given him positions in the sprint race as well as the um yeah. the Grand Prix for it but to have made a difference. I don't think people's issue necessarily was the fact that he didn't help Perez in Brazil. It was the fact that he didn't adhere to team orders. Right? That's that. that oh was yeah, my issue. I don't. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. think. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily have a problem was that. He didn't help Perez. It was more that he was asked to do something repeatedly by on that team, final lap and by and the team and just blatantly yeah. ignored them. And what I mean, whatever goes on behind closed doors goes on behind closed doors. Um, I'm not really a fan of the way that the team have kind of tried to pretend that what actually transpired yeah. didn't transpire. Yeah. To be brutally honest with you, like the statement, yeah, the, the statement that they put out saying oh, I was only asked to do it after the final quarter and it was far too late. Absolute rubbish. It's like he was you, asked. You know to, he was told at the start of the lap. To the radio, yeah, it's you? like, do they think that we're all too stupid to go and listen to the radio if we'd not already heard it? Like, it, it's blatantly it's, obvious. That, yeah, but that's that's another story for another yeah, time. Yeah, but the, but yeah, that more. aside, I don't think Verstappen helping him out at this race was ever really on. Like, I mean, and Leclerc. I mean, Verstappen was Look, obviously managing the pace a lot, but Leclerc was still quick at that phase. Like. If you start faffing around trying to hold him up, you're potentially risking losing the Grand Prix there. Yeah, there's, yeah. Just, there's no way they're ever going to do that. The, the, the thing is, they were in a position where basically the only thing that would settle it between the two of them was who finished better on track. There was no like weird scenarios where, you know, if Leclerc had been winning and, and Perez had come second, then Perez would have got it. So Max could have like let Perez, you know, there was nothing of that to to transpire. It was basically, they had to be one or one of another on track and Perez like miscon, I don't know, misjudged, I guess, getting through back markers and overtaking people after a pit stop. And and unfortunately it cost him a couple of seconds and that's what it came down to. Yeah. His fate was in his own hands ultimately and he didn't, didn't pull it off. Yeah. Um, interesting little little tidbit that I saw earlier. This is the first time in the history of F1 that the podium at the final race has been the top three in the championship in order. It's never yeah. happened before. That's cool. Yeah. That's quite cool. Yeah, it is. I like quite like that. Fun. Uh, quick word on Sainz. He finished fourth after he was battling with both the Mercedes for different bits of the race. Um, I guess we should talk about that turn one incident with Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton sort of cut the corner uh, as Sainz was trying to pass him and kept the place, but then he was asked to give it back by the team. Lap one incident, not turn one. Sorry, yeah, lap one incident. It was. Turn, I, I, yeah, I was getting really confused then when you said yeah, turn sorry. one. I was like, what? <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean now. Yeah, thoughts yeah. on that? Um, there probably was room. I think because it happened, a similar thing happened last year and Hamilton d- did the same thing and yeah. wasn't told to give a position back. He probably thought he could probably do it again. But I, I think, if anything, like he had nothing really to lose at that point in the race and he was maybe making a point 
Um, yeah. Or maybe maybe you know maybe a little internal experiment. Oh, if I do this and they and they penalize me for it, then it just shows the world that they're ridiculous. Kind yeah. of thing. I don't know. That's kind of that went through my head, but like he, <laughs> unfortunately, he damaged his car in the process because of yeah, the stupid I, curbs there. It was tight though. I mean, there, there wasn't a car's width there on on the exit of that corner again. So. There, there is an argument to say that it was crowded off. The FIA deems that it wasn't, um, but the, and the rules are you should leave a car's width, and there was probably about half a car's width. I would say mm. for, um, from from the onboard, I think I think that at the point Hamilton bailed out of it, yeah. there was enough room that he could have stayed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He bailed um, out too soon, but I think if, that, he, if he'd bailed yeah. out a bit later, then he probably would have got away with it. I think like the the. the Space was going to disappear, but I think that's only because Signs had made a really bloody good overtake. Like it was such yeah. a good dive, Signs made to the inside. Mm. Um, I think the other thing as well is if he'd stayed in it longer, he'd have lost the place anyway, which is yeah. possibly why he bailed when he did. Yeah, like knowing if I leave it any longer, I'm going to lose a position anyway, so I'm yeah. going to bail and chance it. Yeah, um, the the only thing that wound me up at the time was. It felt very much like they were told to give the place back because of the way the yeah. radio message was worded, and I've still not. I'm. I still feel it's ambiguous because I've not seen anything other than that. But I'm not really keen on the FIA. If the FIA is saying we're not going to tell people to give places back, we're just going to let them decide for themselves and then dish out penalties if we deem that they shouldn't, then they shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, now, yeah. So like they said, whether or not they, they did they is another matter. Just... But the way that the radio message was worded, it was literally, "We've been told to give the place back." Now that could have come from Toto, somebody higher in the team. As and it, and the, the we he's referring to is like me on the pit wall, you in the car. We yeah. have been told to give the place back, and that decision has come from the Mercedes. And to be fair, that's that's absolutely fine. What I'm not a fan of is putting something in place to say we will not give out these instructions anymore, but then giving out those instructions. Yeah. So like it's either do it or don't do it. Like, I mean, I'm not really a fan of them. Not just, I would, I would actually ironically rather them tell drivers to give the places back like they Mm. used to, instead of dishing out five and 10 second penalties. That's what they should be doing. It's a lot cleaner. It it feels better, but if they're going to say they're not doing it, they've got to make sure they're not doing it. And, like I say, it might just be blown out of proportion a little bit because of the way the radio message was worded. But I just hope that it's not a case of them saying, the FIA, that is, and the stewards saying, give the place back. Yeah. Because it just goes it's, against what they've said. Well, the, the whole thing is a bit strange, I think, around this rule. Because for them to have a rule and then sort of give the drivers enough rope to hang themselves with without enforcing yeah. the rule until after, mm-hmm. until way after is strange. Like, why give them an opportunity to undo the damage done but but not tell them that there's an opportunity there? That's really <laughs> weird. <laughs> I, yeah, I, don't I don't know why they changed the rule in the first place. I don't know if it no. had something to do with this whole um, cutting down radio comms because of, you know, the, 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 the bartering and begging for things that used to go on. Um, so I don't know if it was maybe just a really clean slate of you will not talk to us and we will not tell you what and what to do and what not to do like we will just hand out penalties and I don't know if maybe they went yeah like 100% agree with the 
well, I mean, we talked about this at the time. Team principals and so on having a direct line to the stewards is wrong. However, the stewards being able to initiate a conversation at their choice to yeah. give out um, a, a directive or to um, ask for some piece of information should they want it is very different. The, yeah, like the so, FIA I mean, and the they, stewards they asking is, is absolutely fine. But yeah, it just, I don't know. I, I don't get why they wouldn't tell people to give places back if they yeah, thought this that they is should. It. Like it, they're, they're happy to call them to tell them they've got a five-second penalty, but they're not happy to call them to say, you need to give that place back. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or you're going to get a five, or, or either give them the place back or we'll give you a five-second penalty. Like yeah. Something has to be put in the rules. where Maybe maybe they're nervous about deeming sort of what validates an overtake and what doesn't kind of thing. I don't know. Like, mm. But it is it is strange. If you can... I mean, there must, there are, there's obviously a line of communication from the FIA to the drivers anyway, because if you get a five-second penalty, they're going to tell you that you've got a five-second penalty. Yeah. yeah. So it's pit yeah. stop or however many seconds penalty you end up getting for whatever infringement you make. But th- yeah, this whole thing is, I find it really, really, really strange. I think just, you've got a rule set, you're the referee, <laughs> be the referee and tell yeah. people what they need to do to comply with the game you know like it's just crazy and the way they did it was just so much cleaner as well it was just like you have cut the corner and gained the last advantage to remedy that give the place back and he did it and it was done didn't have to think about it again and like you you then know the order the cars are on the track is the order they're in there's none of this hanging over penalty like Mm. yeah it's just so much cleaner doing it that way i think yeah i agree weird one um we'll talk about signs uh yes he came home fourth uh second and fourth place secured second in the constructors of ferrari it was always a long shot that mercedes could take that off them anyway but um yeah mercedes didn't have the pace that ferrari had this weekend so uh yeah ferrari finished the season with second in both championships um mercedes so hamilton ended the first winless season of his whole career with a retirement from fourth place with a few laps to go uh, the first mechanical retirement for Mercedes of the entire season. That is crazy. That yeah. is impressive. Is that for a Mercedes engine as well? Because I believe Williams didn't have any mechanical failures all Aston season. Did. Aston, had Aston have, yeah. And, okay. Yeah. So it's not it's, complete. It's definitely been the most reliable engine across the teams. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for Mercedes it's also been it's the very first one. Arguably, also being the least fast. As you say, is it easy to be reliable when you're slow? <laughs> Am I right in saying they're one of the only teams that hasn't exceeded any of the engine components as well up to that up to the start of Abu Dhabi? They may well be. Yeah. I'm, I know. I know that they. I know that they hadn't. Um, or I'm. I'm. Remember them saying that they hadn't on commentary, but whether or not that was factually right or not is another matter. Here's an, here's an interesting um, aside for you. Go on. Um, the, the FIA are considering changing the engine component rules to be m- harsher if you exceed limits on engine components. Oh, they've been so, listening to us calling everyone cheats for uh, <laughs> taking yeah, so many components. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously, like we spoke about this, go back to whatever the episode about Red Bull spending two million pounds more than everyone else on their car was. Um, we talk about sort of 
cheating almost being sanctioned in some ways in Formula One because of the engine regulations and power unit regulations and people gaming the penalty system to use it to their advantage so that they can, like Mercedes did last year, to uh, get a fast have a fast car mm-hmm. in Brazil for Hamilton. And um, the yeah, I, I don't quite, I don't know exactly like what the suggestion is in terms of like how much harsher the penalties would be, but I do think like if you've got that set of rules there and people are just blatantly breaking it every season. Yeah. There's multiple teams doing it every single season and trying to do it in the most efficient way possible. Then, yeah, the the, the rules are clearly not doing their job. They're not, you know, the, the rules, the, the teams are taking the hit because the benefit of, of taking the new engine components outweighs the penalty they're being given. Yeah, so, they're clearly not a deterrence right now, are they? Yeah, there were these rules were designed to make people make more reliable engines, and they haven't done that. All they've done is they've caused the teams to think tactically about how they use their engines, and, and yeah. it means yeah. that they're just swapping engines in and out and components in and out, left, right, and center all the time as well. When, in my mind, really, like a power unit should be that should be your car. That's the main component of it, right? In an, an engine in a car or the, the things that make the car go are the car, right? So yeah. if you start changing like engines, turbos, um, uh, you know, motors, energy stores, all that kind of stuff all the time, then at what point have you got a whole new car <laughs> kind of thing? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it's just, I, I find it, I've always found it really, really strange that they've never been able to like quite enforce this properly, and it's about mm. time they they did start doing that. So hopefully, this this change in rules will cause them to build more reliable engines and more sustainable engines, and and hopefully, you know, we'll end up in a situation where we've got components lasting as long as they need to last, and not wastefully just creating a whole new engine for the yeah. sake of a, a grid drop. Yeah, yeah, I'll be interested to see what direction they go with that. Mm. sorry i threw us way off no it's fine i mean to be honest i'd seen that headline and not read the details so i'm glad you were there to like give us a bit more more i I saw the headline and Mm. didn't read the details which is why i don't know much more about (laughs) it but um yeah i mean it's content eh? (laughs) (laughs) content is king uh right we can get into a couple of the the cha- uh, constructors championship battles that you guys were talking about last week. Um, I guess the most interesting one in this back half of the season has been McLaren versus Alpine, uh, which was as good as over before this race, but as expected, Alpine held on to fourth place in the constructors. Um, the McLaren got P6 and fastest lap for Norris and then ninth for Ricardo, which wasn't enough points anyway, um, even if Alpine had have had a retirement. Norris ended season best of the midfield, uh, seventh place in the championship behind the Red Bulls, Ferraris and Mercs. Uh, solid years work for him. Um, Ricardo was one of the ones who one-stopped and he sort of made the one-stop work, to be fair. Um, f- finished ninth, um, scored some points in his last race for McLaren. Uh, Ocon was racing the Aston Martins for pretty much the whole race, uh, but he came out on top with seventh place. And then Alonso bookended his Alpine career <laughs> with retirements. <laughs> um, retired about halfway through the race. Um, 
I'm sure he'll add to his tally of points he lost through time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, he didn't seem particularly uh, sad to be getting out of that car, did he, at the end of this season? No. As, no, mu- as much as it's, like, had some decent performances, it's just not been reliable enough, has it? No. Not in so, the slightest. I mean, in, in a way, they're lucky that McLaren has had the mixed fortunes that they have. Because you'd have thought yeah. that, oh, it's one of those, I guess. Like, had Alpine maybe not had the reliability issues that they've had, they'd have actually maybe tied up, finishing ahead of McLaren a lot sooner than the final yeah, race definitely. as well. So, yeah, thought a good result for them under the circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next battle was Aston Martin versus Alfa Romeo. Um, Aston Martin finished 8th and 10th, which is enough for them to draw the level on points with Alfa Romeo, but they still stay behind them on a count back. I think it went down to Bottas had a 5th in fifth place. Um, yeah. Emilia Rama, Ramon, yes. whatever it is. Emilia Yeah, that one. The race with the longest name <laughs> in the world. Uh, yeah, so yeah. that was the only difference uh, between them in the end. Um, it's pretty close. Again, it was like another sort of second between them over the line, which could have made the difference. Um, interestingly, Alfa Romeo said their strategy for this race was just be in the way of the Aston Martins and slow them down. They didn't actually prioritise their own race time or finishing positions at all. It was just mm. operation, slow down the Aston Martins, and it, wow. and it worked for them. Just It just paid off for them. Um that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, that's so, so bad. That, that's just that we know we can't finish in the points this weekend. Let's just sandbag in front of them and drag them down with us. Yeah, like 90% of Alpha's points came in the first third of the season, didn't it? And it's like just been holding yeah. on ever since then. Um, yeah. it's, it's like sixth place is a, is not a bad bad result for them. Um, disappointing season for Aston Martin, though, I think. Uh, without us getting into season review territory, which we'll get to, but um, yeah, not they would have does. expected more. I think they would the for sure. I think next season definitely they'll be expecting much more. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the last battle of interest was Haas and Alpha Terry, which ended up being in exactly the same order it was before the race, because they've both <laughs> finished out the points, which means Haas kept a hell of eighth place. Again, most of their points came very early in the season. Uh, in fact, I'd say most of their points came in the first race because Magnussen was like, oh, was he fifth or sixth? Was he in Bahrain, I think? I feel like that was the bulk yeah, of their Yeah, there's, there's definitely a fifth place in there because they're in the same situation as uh, Alpha in the yes. sense that that fifth place on count back, I think, was enough to put them ahead. Um, mm-hmm. Although, having said that, didn't one of the Alpha Towers finish that high up as well? But it might have been to do with there were more points finishes for her. I can't remember. I can't remember the way that they work it out. It's like your highest finish followed by then like the number of times, and then yeah. after that, it's like your second most successful result. Or I, I can't remember how they do it. It doesn't normally get that complicated, so I don't really pay attention to that side of the rules <laughs> until I need to. And luckily, I don't, I don't need Formula to. One, I don't think Formula One know. I mean, that wouldn't <laughs> surprise me. The fact that I don't know is no great shame because I doubt the FIA know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess we can briefly mention the Schumacher-Latifi incident towards the end. Um, <laughs> Schumacher got a five-second penalty for it. Synchronised swimming. 
Yeah, it was kind of a dumb move, I think. Like, it was very clumsy. I don't think he needed to be down the... I don't think no. Schumacher needed to put his car where he put it. It reminded me a lot of... Um, this was a, a right-hander rather than a left-hander, mind you. But it was a it was Verstappen on uh, Vettel, I think, in China one year. Um, yeah, you you mentioned it in the chat at the time. I couldn't I couldn't yeah. place it in my head. It wasn't was... like the Ricardo Gasly thing from Mexico this year as well, where it's just like lazily putting your nose into a gap that's realistically yeah. always going to yeah. close. Yeah, like yeah, that was Ricardo I... Sonoda, but yeah. Yeah, yes, like Latifi had run wide, but not wide enough that no. he could start sticking the nose down it's the inside. It's a bit desperate, wasn't it? And it, it smacked of like just a little bit of a, maybe like a lapse in concentration to, for, for just a split second where Mick was like, there's a bit of a gap here. I'm going to try and get the run on the, you know, the inside of him out of the corner and not realizing just how, you know, that Latifi was coming back onto the racing line. And, and just, just like misjudging the, going. yeah, just like misjudging the distance, the closing distance between him and Latifi, basically. Like it was a move just halfway to nowhere, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, like had had he not made contact with him and then got the run out of him, uh, got the run on him out of the corner in the exit, then he would have been, you know, you'd have been probably saying, yeah, it's a decent move that he's seen an opportunity and he's taken it, but just that tiny moment of like misjudging the distance between the cars or misjudging the breaking point for making that move has just kind of made it clumsy, I guess. He got a five second, did you say, in the end? Yeah, he did. Which is probably about right, I think. Yeah, I think so. Wiping them both out. Yeah. Uh, Right, should we do some awards? Yeah. Awards. Driver of the day. We all know who got the official one, but I think he was going to get it regardless of what happened this race. What, but we'll get to him. I'm assuming Verstappen guy. I didn't even look. No, it was Seb. Of course oh, it was, was it Seb. Oh, was it Seb? Yeah, oh, that's fine then. Was. That's fine. Yeah, that's a shocking strategy, Seb. Um, yeah. Um, it's, it's, weird, it's weird that you say that, though. Like, it was it was shocking for the Astons, but, I mean, it worked for Red Bull. It worked for Ferrari. It worked for Ricardo. Like, there were definitely drivers that made that strategy work. It probably just wasn't right for Aston. Well, As proven Vettel by Lance the, finishing ahead of him. Yeah, but Vettel was out. Way, he was the last person to pit, and he was out for ages and ages and ages on the yeah. hard tyre, and everyone else pitted and then caught him back up. He, he, was probably, hoping for, he was hoping for a safety car, I think. They, they, they probably yeah. left him too long on the mediums. That that was the fault of it. Like The actual one-stop strategy wasn't bad. The downfall right, of right. it for Vettel was there was a point where he was lapping somewhere near like two and a half, maybe even three seconds slower than the people that were around him that had already pitted. And it was like, they left it way too late for that crossover yeah. point. So exactly. I wouldn't necessarily blame the one stop, which I've seen people doing. No, no, I would no. blame the execution of the one stop, which yeah. is like you say, leaving him out too long on the mediums um, before switching it over. And like you say, maybe they were chancing it, trying to get the pit stop for, for free, as we're saying in, in quote marks, but yeah. yeah, it was, was just it the hard. Didn't he start on the hard? I think he no, he went medium, went medium to hard. The only people yeah. that did hard to medium were Bottas and Magnussen, yeah. and the race was far poorer for them for that. Yeah, okay. I think realistically, like as we said, like Haas, um, sorry, Aston Martin just missed out on overhauling um, Alfa Romeo in the championship. 
And realistically, given that Vettel finished like less than a second behind Ricardo, I think Aston Martin kind of threw that position in the championship away, really. Yeah, they could have him out so long. They could have had that position from Rick easily. Easily. Twelve million, I think, that cost them. That that difference in one position. I mean, three three laps at three seconds off the pace, that's like nine seconds. Nine seconds further up the grid puts him ahead of his teammate and yeah. You lied behind yeah. the Alpine, so... Quick maths. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah, shame that. I mean, it does help that I'm looking at the final race times <laughs> in front of me right there. <laughs> that kind of helps a little bit. But who's your driver of the day? Probably Leclerc, I think. Yeah, I feel like Leclerc deserves it. Like, I yes, I, I get the sentimental reason of giving it to Seb. I really do. And to be fair, given the situation he was in, it was a good recovery once he, you know... Got finally got on to the the hard to utilize it and get back into points, but yeah, I think Leclerc's really solid drive. Yeah, a, a rare unanimous decision there. I think he did a Not top easy. job, proper tire saving masterclass. I think. Yeah. Um, move Moves. of the day. Hmm. Yeah, the the Hamilton Science duel was fun. Um, there was. Uh, a bit of racing that just went on and on and on with, I think, a... Uh, it might have been Alonso. Alonso had really that cool. double pass on Sonoda and Bottas. Yeah, and then lo- and then immediately lost out to Bottas again, didn't he? And yeah. Had to yeah. get all that oh, yeah. over again. That, but that was a good bit of racing. That was really exciting to watch. Have um, you seen Joe getting past Albon on the last lap? I've seen photos of it, but I haven't seen the video. Yeah, is that Have the one that was around the outside of turn nine, or am I thinking of a different one? I don't know which turn turn nine I'm is. Gonna, but I'm gonna turn nine's the one that they were trying to give a different name to that relates to a corner in Monza, which I will not. Oh yeah. Name you, out oh, you, do you know why that, that came about? I'm going to well, explain to you why they. Used yeah, that tell me why while I watch this video. Because um, Chandler. Uh, Karun Chanak was responsible for the reprofiling of some of the corners on this track and uh, oh wow he was yeah and um, they obviously deliberately wanted to make this kind of like a bit of a parabolico and during practice um, Crofty uh, was talking to Karun Chanduk about it and it, it being kind of like a parabolico so he decided oh, to call it Chanduk Chanduk parabolico or something Chanduk oligo like something ridiculous and to be fair like there is, I was thinking about this, and there is like, you could call that corner Chanduk, I think. But I think calling <laughs> that would it be nice. The, just repeatedly calling it the Parabolica across the across the Grand Prix weekend after the practice show that probably not that many people would have watched, just to keep repeating your in joke on the on the yeah. live commentary of the video. Yeah, that, and that, and that, I mean, that just smacks. That, that just smacks of David Croft, though, doesn't it? That's well, David it Croft That's all David over. Croft like, all over, yeah. I'm going to repeat this in joke that nobody gets persistently, just because I can. I mean, uh-huh. I, I I was seeing it is a move I was thinking of, of, by the way. Like I I didn't see any yeah. of practice, and then I wasn't sat there. Th- <laughs> Why is he calling it that? Well, thank thankfully, due to me 
choosing to not use their Colin Trey. I hadn't <laughs> heard it. So all I saw was people on Twitter referring to it. And I was like, why is this even happening? <laughs> Yes. But now, now, now know. I know why as well. Now you know. Yeah, now everyone so. knows. It's, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm happy to call that corner Chanduk from now on. But yeah, we can do that. Let's do that. Because the Parabolica in Italy, in, in yeah. Monza, is called the Parabolica. It's already one of those. on earth would I call yeah. a corner at a completely different racetrack on the other side of the world the same name as that? That's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Stop <Silly>. it. Um, <laughs> um yeah, the, so, the move the move you've linked is the one that I thought it was, so that has my vote because that was yeah. going to be my suggestion. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, have a look on online for Joe getting past Albon on the last lap. It's a, it's a really good move. Um, Sarah in the chat also nominated Seb not crashing into the parked cars in qualifying, which is that was <laughs> yeah. silly in qualifying. Just literally cars parked everywhere. Um, yeah, that was crazy. Although I did find it funny how they were all just like getting out of Seb's way to give him a, a good final qualifying. <laughs> the funny thing was though, he constantly kept getting stuck behind a Red Bull coming out of the final turn yeah, onto a lap. Yeah, he did. Like, he, like literally three runs he had. I don't know if it was the same Red Bull every time, but I just know that I remember him. The, the quote was along the lines of, why do I keep getting stuck behind these same guys? Like I, yeah. every time I go, there's a Red Bull in the way. Uh, last award? Oh yeah, last award. That means a button push. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? That, by the way, is staying whether Seb is racing Forever. or not. Yeah, this that's is a that's our, that's our little honour to him. Yeah. I mean, I guess the parked cars in qualifying is worth a mention here. <sighs> that was, was crazy. Dangerous. It was well, pretty crazy. I don't, opinion, I don't but, recall yeah. this. I, I switched off as soon as qualifying was finished. So <laughs> Seb was coming coming out of the hotel section, and he had Ocon coming slowly out of you know you got the double left hander that oh, goes under oh, the you, hotel. Oh, you know, sorry, that's what you're talking. About. I thought you were talking about something else. I thought you were talking no, about after it, they, they were pra- into the pit, so parked is like over. metaphorical because they were rolling at about five moving, miles an hour, moving chicanes, Roll, rolling. Yeah, yeah. Rolling chicanes, yeah. So yeah, there was there was Ocon on the exit of the double left that goes under the hotel. There was Alonso then on the entry to the first of the two right-handers. There was somebody else in between the two right-handers, I think, near the pit entry. And then I'm pretty sure there's one on the exit of the final corner yeah, as well. And how he like flew past them and I mean, to be fair, they were doing their best to not be on the racing line, but to have that many cars that slowly in the way of a car on a hot lap it's just it's like the silliness that we sometimes see it well always see at monza and it was just a bit a bit daft I mean, there was there was one point where ocon asked what yellow flags were for and they were for him because he was going so slowly they assumed he was like something had gone wrong and he was pulling over yeah <laughs> like... he looked almost stopped at one point yeah he genuinely completely. looked like he'd almost come to a complete stop that's ridiculous um yeah what else? I'm not, I can't think of much in the WTF category this it's week. It's been be relatively WTF free, hasn't it? It has actually. In all honesty, which yeah, makes a nice change. change. It does make a yeah. nice change. Which means that it might end up just being something as simple as that. Yeah, those um, are some pretty tame WTFs, yeah. especially for a final yeah. race of a season as well. I think like one WTF you can give is just people going hard on Max Verstappen for not helping Perez out Yeah, this race. Yeah, I mean, that's not necessarily a WTF of the sport, but more the viewership, but yeah. <laughs> well, not the viewership, but like just some, you know, some... Social uh, media sub- subsection around it. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, I mean, I'll not get into social media right now. 
Yeah, I mean, let's, there's let's plenty of people in our Discord that know my opinion on F1 social media. <laughs> that's all I'll say. Ronald in the Discord has just mentioned um, Checo complaining that Max wasn't driving fast enough when he was two seconds behind him, which I did oh, was, find quite funny it, as well. Was that was that when he was supposed to be getting the towing qualifying? No, this was no, during the race. Was in the race? He, he, he basically wanted the he wanted Red Bull to swap him round. Yeah, right. Okay, um, I, I must have missed that specific radio call. It's like, oh, he's not it, fast it, enough. It, he's holding yeah, me up. It was cute. Two seconds up the road, mate. Get a call, call back when you're less than a second behind. <laughs> get call back when you can at least get DRS, guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I guess it. I guess it is the qualifying parking because I can't think of anything better, really. Yeah, I, I mean the car, the car park in the final corners. Yeah. yeah, the hotel car park. Yeah, literal hotel car park. Okay. Um, I mean oh, we've 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 sort of talked. Section. Yeah, we've talked around it a little bit, but I, I think let's just like let's just talk about Seb for a while because <laughs> obviously it was his last race, and like I don't know about you guys, but I don't remember anything close to this level of like send off for a driver before. Like you know, obviously when Schumacher retired, that was like a pretty big deal, and we've you know we've had when Barrichello sort of had the guard of honor down the pit lane after he retired in brazil and stuff but i've never seen anything quite on this level you know we had multiple drivers with tribute helmets they like changed the intro graphics for him they did a did little they? video yeah, yeah, they, yeah they they put him they changed the intro graphics and to put him as the last driver on there oh. um and then there was like the little video package afterwards as well like they specifically in the like race notes had this is where Seb can park up on the grid after he's done his donuts. Like that did so much to like give him the sort of final race he deserves. And I don't know, I guess it's just testament to like the level of respect and admiration the guy has got up and down the paddock these days. Yeah, yeah I think you know he's so he seems like a really nice guy. Um, he's a bit of a legend of the sport as well. I think he deserves yeah. a sort of big send off. You know, he's four time world champion. He was absolutely dominant at the time that he won his championships. Yeah. Um, he's been a bit on. I think he got a bit unlucky going to Ferrari at probably the wrong time. In this is a very brief summary. Um, but yeah, back to this weekend specifically. I think it's really they even organized. Well, Hamilton organized a whole meal for him. Yeah, um, and every, all 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 twenty drivers went, and um, yeah, they had a big big party with no alcohol in theory because it's illegal to drink in, <laughs> in Abu Dhabi. So no, not it was it was a dry dinner. I'm sure they didn't look they didn't look at all drunk in the uh, no. in the photo at the end. So. Not at all. Yeah. I'm sure some of them were glad that it was uh, young drivers in the cars for FP1 the next morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so really cute, really nice, really nice, to, really nice to see him get a good send off. It really is like, and I think like I don't know if you saw after the race, um, Seb and Lando ended up talking to Sky at the same time, and I sort of asked Lando about it. Yeah, that was good. He, Lando was sort of saying like, you know, there's all, obviously all of the racing inspiration and stuff, but also it's like Seb has opened a lot of drivers' eyes to sort of being able to have opinions and thoughts on things and mm. do things outside of racing and you know your legacy being more than just what you've done on the circuit and that was the one thing Seb kept saying over and over again was like 
I hope that um, other drivers kind of carry on, you know, doing things outside of the sport and using their platform for good things. And yeah, that was his his post race interview was really really good. It was yeah, yeah really good. Um, and I think he's, he's going to leave him tearing up, almost tearing yeah, up for sure. He? It's going to leave a hole in the sport for sure. He's he's such a good ambassador for the sport and for so many other things, and it's mm-hmm. it's yeah. genuinely really sad to see him leave. And I hope we still see him around from time to time doing stuff. Yeah, he is a proper classy world champ for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know the saddest thing about this season as well is this is his first full season where he's not been on the podium. Oh. That's oh wow! Really? Because of the state of the car, yeah. Because he had the he had the Baku one, didn't he last year? Yeah, he was Baku. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he he had the sort of half season when he first started, when he was kind of between when he made the debut at BMW and then finished the season with Toro Rosso. But yeah, in terms of full seasons, this is yeah. the only one that he didn't have a podium in. Sadly, I think I saw someone drop in the Discord. I can't remember exactly how many years it's Tim, but this has been like the first season without a race win from Hamilton, Vettel, or Schumacher in like a ridiculous number of years. Yeah, thirty years. Yeah, yeah. without one of those three winning races, that is wild. Yeah, really mm. is. Yeah. Um, the guards are changing. <laughs> the, the new the era begins. Verstappen, Verstappen, Leclerc, and Russell. That's it. Yeah, I the mean, Norris maybe. <laughs> tomorrow like tomorrow the test in Abu Dhabi and there's lots yeah. of uh lots next of generation faces. young drivers in the cars yeah yeah lots of, well yeah. next season lots of new faces lots of returning faces lots of, this is quite a big change up on the grid I think yeah it really so, is um, yeah we'll have to do a whole episode about that I think yeah um, um but yeah thank you Seb and it's very sad to see you go yeah agreed should we do some predictions after that somber moment of Let's mourning for losing Seb from the sport. Um, right, yeah. So predictions. It was final race weekend of the season. Um, the first time we've actually done well between the three of us, and that Yay. meant scoring a measly two points each. Um, I'll we take all it. got Yay. we all got Ve- uh, Verstappen even nailed on for some sort of first in some degree. So me and Chris had fastest in Q three. Stu had the win overall, and then all three of us had 17 finishes. So we got a couple of points apiece. Um, in terms of um, the listener base, so many people close to a five out of five, but no one quite there. Everyone that got four points all had the wrong first DNF. Hmm. It's as simple as that. Um, so there was, there was nine of you. So I'm not quite going to read out the, the names this week because there's a lot but um yeah quite a high scoring week overall to be fair but a max double kind of feels a bit like the old ham double where <laughs> if you just go with it and then get your other guesses right you're going to be scoring points generally speaking so yeah a lot of people scoring points this week uh, but more importantly we have a title winner and that is the person who has been in first place for a little bit of a run at the end of the season, and that's Jana Berger with 37 points, precisely. Um, congratulations to everyone else in that top five who all somehow got separated out into even positions by the end. There were a lot of ties, <laughs> but um, yeah, there were a number of people in there in the running for it going right up to their final race, but uh, Jana held firm and, and won. So 
I will uh, drop an email to Yana and we'll get in touch about sorting out your overall prize. It was um, only by one point in the end, I think, was it? It was literally by a point, yeah. Jeez. So you'd got um, basically the, I mean, I've just closed it, uh, but the top, hang on, the top 15 to 20 places were all separated by five points. Wow. So it, go, it goes quite a long way down to to consider people like still still in it. So, yeah, really competitive season this year. And considering we've had well over 600 competitors, maybe pushing towards 700, I think that's our biggest year yet. So thank you to everyone who's involved. Even if you've only done a few races, you might join towards the end of the season. But... Yeah, the majority right. have done more than one race. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we're still talking hundreds of people who have done multiple races, if not all of them. Um, and yeah, there's there's just a lot of people contributing, so it's really appreciated. And over the winter break, I'll be making some slight updates to this just to make it a little bit, a little bit more fun to oh, use. Oh, he said it. He said it on the. I've said, <laughs> said it. Live, I mean, he said it committed. On the podcast, Technically, said it this year, and the most that I did was do it so that if you changed your mind before Q one started, you could reset your predictions. But I did make an improvement, so <laughs> I'm still a man of my word on that. Um, so yeah, that is that. I'll move on to Grid Rivals. Seems are their lovely sponsor that section of the show. So we will talk about our Grid Rival League uh, because we do have a winner there as well. Um, it's been back and forth between two or three different people over the course of the season, but Green Lantern Core uh, are the the team that's come out on top. That's Kilowog's team, twenty one thousand two hundred ninety five points overall. Um, Congrats! Won the final weekend as well, just for good measure. Oh wow! Um, followed by Eighties Pac Man and VM Racing Group. So, um, yeah, congratulations to you, Kilowog, uh, and as. As he's in the Discord, he's getting some nice cheers from himself <laughs> <laughs> and some congrats from his fellow competitors. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you very much to Grid Rival for um, choosing us to to be partnered with you this season. It's been it's been fun being part of that, and we look forward to kind of doing this every year now and getting people involved as time yeah, goes. Yeah, it's been on. really fun. Yeah, and I might even do like a an off piste MotoGP season. Seems how you can do that on Grid Rival too. So if anyone else likes MotoGP, let me know and we'll we'll do that too. Cool. Um, right, that is it. If you want to check out your own score or you want to see where you finish in the overall leaderboards, just head to backofthegrid.com. Everything's been up to date since the weekend, but if you haven't checked yet, you can go do it now and you'll see your final score overall and your points from Abu Dhabi. Oh, there's a bit of news, isn't there, to go through before we, um, before we move on to Inbox? Yeah, a couple of bits we'll just rapidly just touch on. Um, as expected, Haas have confirmed that Schumacher is leaving the team and he's being replaced by Nico Hulkenberg next season, the man that cannot stay away from Formula One. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this a few times. Um, not, I don't think either of us are super excited by having Hulkenberg back, um, but equally, I don't think... Schumacher necessarily did enough to warrant him keeping his seat. So, yeah, we'll for, see how much of an improvement that ends up being for Haas. For yeah, me, I know. Yeah, I mean, for me, I've said before, I would, I would have kind of preferred to have a developing driver in the seat, but I do get why they've done it. And you know, to be fair to the guy, we know he's got capability, and if he comes back and you know sets the grid alight, 
is competing along with Magnussen for serious points with Haas, then you know all credit to them for having the the guts to make the move and maybe upset a few people, but in the means of progress. So yeah, think, fingers crossed it does work out. Like the the only guy I would hate to see is for Schumacher to have lost that seat to Hulkenberg and then it would not work out with Hulkenberg yeah. basically. But I, I, yeah, I, I have enough faith in Hulkenberg with what we know he's capable of. Like, you know, the stuff we've seen him do, jumping in part-time, the stuff we've seen him doing, stuff like Le Mans when he's not been... Well, when he, he was actively racing in Formula 1, wasn't he, when he did Le Mans? Yeah. So, yeah, like, I, he's, got, he's got enough talent. So yeah. I'm hoping it's all still there. Mm-hmm. Williams? Uh, yeah, so the final seat on the grid then was Williams, um, but they have now confirmed, <laughs> confirmed, confirmed that Logan Sargent will be driving for the next season. Um, he needed sixth place in the standings for a super license, but in the end, he had a pretty decent weekend in Abu Dhabi, so he finished fourth overall with two wins this season. Um, so yeah, first full-time American driver since Scott Speed, um, which was... Some what about Rossi? He only did about... Half a season, I think, Rossi. He didn't do a Did full season. Did he have a full season? Nope. Oh, well. Was he well. half a season, I don't think. I just remember um, he was in the is in Marussia, was it? Was he yeah. in Marussia? Or whatever yeah. that team was called at that particular moment. Well, yeah. The, the Virgin slash Manor slash Marussia yeah. slash whatever else it was known at. The red one life. that was near the back. Yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah, um it'd be interesting to see how he gets on again. We've talked about it sort of the potential of him before, so we won't dig into it too much. Uh, and then finally, Helmut Marco sort of spilled the beans, probably before they should have been, as he's his <laughs> modus operandi. Um, the Ricardo returning to Red Bull in a sort of test reserve role is as good as done. Christian Horner basically confirmed there was a deal on the table and he just needed a signature. And then Ricardo in an interview said that unless there's any sort of unforeseen changes, that is where he will be next year. Um, I have seen more than one person uh, point out that the two of you said words to the effect of that will never happen about a week ago. <laughs> it was well, more that I just don't see why you would. But Yeah, I don't think I said that. Well, no, we'll have to go back and listen to the episode. I'm happy to go back and check, yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but... I, I feel like it was more, uh, if I was Ricardo, I wouldn't do that. But, I, I think it was something I mean, like, I... if that happens, I will eat all of my hats. I'm pretty sure that's what you both said. I mean, I'll eat him then, but <laughs> I just don't think I just don't think it's the right thing for him to be doing. I I'm get that he wants to be near F one, but I, I already ate today, so I'm not going to eat anything. <laughs> I'm not I'm trying to I, watch the weight. Yeah, I'm I, not a fan of the move. Let's put it that way. I guess he's looking at Hulkenberg, right, and saying like, "I got you know Hulkenberg, Magnussen, they're drivers that are they're not particularly young anymore, but they've been sort of." close enough ties to the sport to be out for, well, it's been out for three years in Hulkenberg's case and still have a way back. I mean, there there are worse teams to be tied to than the current world champions. There are. But... Dep- depends on your reasoning. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think, it, you know, is he is he really getting a, a drive at Red Bull? I don't think he's ever going to get a drive at Red Bull, but I think he's if he can still, you know, be in and around the paddock, be doing testing here mm. and there, 
if another team finds themselves in need of a driver in a year or two's time, he's still going to be on people's radars, I suppose. Yeah. This is, this I, I is suppose the he's looking at Albon can... as well. Yeah, the the, the yeah. Albon scenario is probably what he's looking at, where you know the Red Bull might not be using him directly in Formula One, but he was on their books and they got him a seat. Um, I mean, wasn't the most desirable seat in the world, but it was a seat. Yeah, it's a seat. I mean, <laughs> having said that, Ricardo could have potentially tried to fill the other Williams seat if he'd really wanted to go somewhere like that. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but I, I they think... would have tried. They would have tried to get both. I think both Haas <clears throat> and um, yeah. Williams probably would I have think tried so to well. get. I I think there's a hundred percent an element of he actually doesn't want to be in a seat next year to have like a brief time away from it or what he hopes is a brief time away from it and maybe just reset and come back. But the the risk you'll always take exactly the the risk you'll always take is if you can get back. Yeah. um, I mean, we've definitely seen it a lot more over the recent years. Like, it used to be once you were gone, you were gone. Um, but, I mean, look how many drivers have come back. Like, you've got yeah. your Magnussons, you've got your Hulkenberg, Albon, and Alonso. so on. Like, Alonso, yeah, retiring and coming back. Like, there is Ocon staying in the Mercedes yeah. program and then getting back into a seat. Like, there's a lot of drivers that are going to be on that grid next season that have had time away and come back. So, it's definitely not implausible, and I would hope that someone of Ricardo's talent will find a seat. But I think I think he will. You know, I don't, I'm not sure strategy. yet where he'll end up, but I I don't think we've seen the last of him in F1. I hope not. To to quote the, the one of the greatest sporting films in the world, Dodgeball. <laughs> yes, it's, it's an audacious strategy, Tom. Let's yeah. see how it plays out for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, oh, and then also uh, Mercedes have been talking about um, finding a home for Schumacher. So I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that we'll see Mick sort of in some kind of test reserve role for Mercedes um, because Mercedes are kind mm. of short of test reserve drivers these days. Now uh, De Vries and Van Dorner, um, well, obviously, the race is going to be on the grid next year, and Van Dorn is Aston Reserve Aston driver, is he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think it's only like Vesti is their next driver, and he's obviously not near his experience. So, hmm. yeah, places yeah. for people to land. Right. Inbox? Wow. You want to do some inbox? Let's inbox. do some inbox. Uh, keep me saying now. Let's stay Box, box, box. Hey, man. Shall I do the first one? Go for it. You go for the first one. Um, Wesley says, aside from giving Checo a position in Brazil, which we know was never going to happen, could Red Bull have done more to help Checo take second in the World Drivers' Championship, or is P3 really on Checo's shoulders? I think... I think over the season, that top three is probably the right order. Yeah, I would say over the if you take into account the season, then it's probably about right. Um, I mean, the scoreboard doesn't lie, does it? Yeah, yeah. and Le- Leclerc in reality should have been fighting Max a lot closer. Should have been Max who was fighting, not Perez. At the end of the day, in the grand scheme of things, so I think. I mean, yes, maybe here and there they could have done 
a bit more or, you know, Max could have complied a little bit more with what they were asking, whatever. But at the end of the day, he had an on-track race for position that he was capable of winning to secure the position and didn't. So yeah. I think it's, it's as much on his shoulders as it is anyone else's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, next one. Going on to the next one from Cornwolf. Out of the three drivers who are leaving the grid this year, who do you think deserves another drive? Why and with which team? So that'll be Danny Rick, Mick Schumacher, and Vettel. Mm. Um, I think Vettel's done. He ain't coming back. Like all weekend, Hamilton kept saying, "Like eh, he's retiring, but he'll be back." People always want to come back, but I, I do think Vettel's gone for good now. Um, it certainly sounded like he wasn't interested in doing it. Sounded yeah. very final, yeah. You just never know, though, do you? You never know with drivers you until don't. they're actually away. I mean, whether the, they the, miss it or not. The thing How is, much. is deserves another drive and why? Not necessarily will get one or, or wants one. So yeah. I think Alan deserves another drive. I mean, t- to be fair to Ricardo, his performances towards the end of the season definitely took an uptick. Like. Mm-hmm. There was definitely an improvement. So, in order in order to suit the like the right narrative, I'm going to go with Ricardo because you've got a driver that does still want to be around the sport to some degree and has had an improvement in form. But my heart just wants Vettel back already. <laughs> yeah. Roxy just points out in the chat that Latif is also leaving, and I don't know if that's Who? the the question forgot about Latifi or we forgot about Latifi, yeah. but. Um, either way, I don't <laughs> think Latifi comes into this conversation. <laughs> no. Um, what I would love to see happen is, for whatever reason, Leclerc or Sainz decides they've had enough of Ferrari. They don't want to be there anymore. Ooh. They get offered a seat mm-hmm. at either Red Bull or, or another, top, another top performing team. In the future, whoever that type team is, I don't really mind. Then um, Ferrari have an amazing uptick in form and. Vettel goes back to fill that seat and we'll <laughs> Ferrari. I would love nothing more than that. To, that is fairy tale stuff. That would be, that would be amazing for for Vettel to come back to Ferrari and win a championship. There would be incredible, but it won't happen. <laughs> but it'd be brilliant. <laughs> do you want um, anything, Chris? Yeah, I. It is a hard one. I do think Ricardo has still got more to give. So yeah. of of the drivers we're losing this season, he's probably the one I'd be most interesting, most interested in seeing come back. Yeah. I wonder if the question wasn't actually supposed to include Vettel because Vettel is retiring. And yeah, the probably three was are kind actually of in hindsight without <laughs> contracts. Maybe that's where we messed up. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Garrett says, if a driver leaves the track and gains an advantage, I agree with race control instructing them to give the place back. But I also think they should have DRS disabled for at least the next lap. Uh, after they've given the place back, thoughts? Because hmm. Hamilton no. did like repass signs <laughs> the following lap, didn't he? I yeah, mean, but why not? Why shouldn't he be able to do repass him on the on the, on the next lap? He give, he's given the place back, so he's behind him. So then it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you know, which driver you are. If you give once you've given the place, so back, how you're giving it back? How you could long maybe then? say you could you could maybe put a rule in place that says. And not be allowed to retake the position for extra corners or for a lap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But 
to disable DRS just seems contrived to me. So I remember, was it in, I want to say it was 2008 at Spa, where yeah, yeah, yeah. Hamilton passed Reichler by cutting the corner, gave the place back, and then just immediately retook it, and Hamilton ended up getting mm-hmm. the win taken off him for that. And I, I do think that's... That's that obviously not in spirit of the rules. Like, oh yeah, yeah I'll give it back for like half a straight. Yeah. Um, oh, it's like it's like they're playing silly kids with the DRS line with Verstappen last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. Same yeah. sort of thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. So I I kind of get the angle that Gary's coming from with the question. I as I said earlier, I think the fact that the FIA have kind of said we're not going to give you instructions to give a place back. It's on you, and if you don't, we might penalise you. They need to get rid of that. They need to go back to just uh, just in the in the immediacy of the moment. Say basically, give that back, or we're going to look you know into it for a penalty. Um, and then it's on the it's basically on the team. Then they either do what they've been instructed to do and give the place back, or they risk them looking in a, uh, looking into it as a penalty and getting something worse like a five second penalty. That's that's then on the team, isn't it? Yeah. To, I think I think that's what they're trying to avoid. I guess is the team saying, "No, we'll take a chance. Let's go look at it." But then the FIA just going to come back and get it's a penalty if they've said give the place back. So it's a futile fight. Yeah, it's a futile fight. Just tell them to give. Just just tell them to give the penalty. Just (laughs) give the 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 position back. This is so simple. Just and do it, and, and also yeah, communicate. Fast, efficient communication—something that yeah. the FAA are terrible at. That's what it needs. That's what it needs to be. It needs to be fast, efficient communication because I, it, it stops the driver driving up the road, getting past the next car, and having to give two positions back and yeah. causing all kinds of problems. At that point, you really you've just got to investigate and give them a penalty once they've gone past. If there's more than if there's a car in between them, then you can't really give that position back anymore. Yeah, exactly. Without the penalty, huge, yeah, without taking huge penalties. So yeah. at that point, it does become. Well, maybe I'll take my chances with a penalty. I don't know if I don't. The only specific of this that I don't necessarily agree with directly is probably the DRS disabled thing. And the only reason I don't dis, I don't agree with it directly is because you could you could easily say that, and you could have easily said to Hamilton, "You will have DRS for the following lap." But then he could have still just immediately taken the position back, going yeah, into a corner anyway. Not, so di- disabling the DRS. Here, so. The the only thing it might do is stop him being able to defend with DRS from the you know the next car in front. That's sort of the best case scenario with that. I think the better solution would probably be that there's a sort of a designation of and you cannot retake the position for X corners or the yeah. next the remainder of the lap or what you know the well, the, the next complete of, no, lap. No, yeah, because you final corner. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So see, be but, very careful but with the wording here's, of rules. <laughs> here's the thing, Stu. What does we're negotiating about this rule and <laughs> exactly. throwing scenarios exactly. at it and thinking about the consequences of making the rule, unlike the FIA. Yeah. That's right. the difference. Do you, do you think like they just have a man in a room? <laughs> Just on his own. <laughs> There's just a just man in a room that just writes a rule not, and yeah, then not goes. Not speaking to anyone else. That'll do. That'll do. Here you go, lads. Yeah, I, I like I like the idea of like some sort of slight further punishment. So go back to telling them to give the place back. Tag something else on the end, like and you can't retake the position for X number of corners or laps, whatever it might be, and then 
have done with it. And and even if it even if you put that rule in place at the start of a season and say we are changing this rule, this is the new directive for the rule. We will review it after three races, four races, whatever. If it's not working, change it. But have the cojones to make the change and try it. Like, just do it. That's all it takes. Do it. Just some you cojones. Full, uh... <laughs> you went full Shia LaBeouf then. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> do it. I wasn't okay. wanting to enough. Next one, next one. Um, Tom Murray says, Hey man, now we've had a full season. Do you think the new regulations have been a success? What do they need to tweak for next season? Excuse me. What do they need to tweak for next season? I think they need... I think on to, if we're going to come up with one each, I think DRS has been a bit too powerful this year. Yeah, but in a counter to that, I think that's because the new aero changes have worked. So they're putting people in a better position, mm-hmm. therefore DRS is too powerful. And I've been seeing a lot of people who have an argument that we have not had better racing, we have just had more DRS overtakes. And like in my eyes, neglecting the fact that part of that has been because of the fact that they've been in a better position before utilizing DRS because they've been able to follow better. So in my eyes, they've worked. Um, I was looking at this before the update of overtakes from Sunday, but now luckily I actually have the overtakes from Sunday. And in total last season, in terms of like actual on-track overtakes that weren't like kind of race start reshuffle you know like shuffling on the actual grid and opening corner and stuff there's 844 total for the season this This season no last season this season there's been 1077 so there's 233 more there in theory so that's about 20 percent more it's 25 percent more really when you're looking at 800 going up by 200 yeah plus yeah. So to me, there's a positive there. increase there. Yeah. I mean, yes, we've had an extra race compared to the season before, so that has pumped <laughs> the numbers a little bit artificially. But at the end of the day, like there's an improvement there in my eyes, and the thing that needs are looking at now is how do we either make DRS less powerful or find a way to improve the regulations further to just completely remove it in the first place. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't mind that DRS exists. I think it's a necessary evil in the world of motorsport. I think Potentially, you see, yeah. You see so many especially aero aero formulas, you yeah. kind of need yeah. it. But I think it just needs tuning. There's a simple it? way of making it. Yeah, it just needs it's just a case of balancing the rules a little bit that's all. Like this is probably one of the more simple changes that they can make and it's just maybe make the DRS zones a little bit shorter. Yeah. <laughs> That's all they really need to do. And then, or maybe a lot shorter, I don't know, but they can figure out because they can, all they need to do is work out where the overtakes, the majority of the overtakes were being made, how yeah. far before the braking zone, and then just take that amount off. Yeah. Like the, the, the DRS zone, you know, just there's got to be an equation. Later. That's like you plug in length of straight length of braking zone, and it gives you a, you know, a rough idea of how long it should be to get cars side by side, but not passed into braking zones. Yeah, it should, the, the job should be getting done on the brakes. Martin Brundle said this weekend they should be they should yeah. they, they should be getting the overtake yeah. done on the brakes, not just sailing past down the straight. Yeah. I think that's 
unless you get a much better exit. But then, even then, if you get a better exit and then you've got DRS, then great. You know, you've earned it because you know, you've got the better exit. Do you yeah. know what else would help? What? Make the brakes less good. Just make just make the brake discs a bit smaller, slightly less effective, increase the length of the braking zones. That's going to instantly make overtakes on the brakes that much more likely as well. Cause, yeah. Um, obviously, there's a safety concern there, but... It's a whole other thing. Yeah, but you're not going to do it yeah, to but... a ridiculous amount. No. <laughs> I, well, I think as long as... It, I don't think there is a safety concern there. I think as long as the tyres have got grip, then, yeah. and, and, then you'll, and, and, and your brakes work, then you'll, you'll drive within the bounds of, of what your brakes and your tie, and, you, and your grip level are capable of, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, just yeah. because you, your brakes are slightly less powerful than they... Would be as long as they're not wearing out completely and become unusable, yeah, yeah, yeah. then they're perfectly safe. It's just a case of making, you know, mandating that they have to be made from probably mandating that they have to be made of specific materials that are less efficient than the carbon ceramic sort of setup that they use at the moment. And it'll probably make it a lot cheaper for them as well because brake di- Formula One brake discs are ridiculously expensive yeah, for what they are. Yeah. Because they have to drill holes into the, all those little holes, those tiny little holes in a Formula One car's brake disc, they're all individually drilled by a CNC machine. And it takes, I think it takes about 10 hours to make one Formula One brake Jeez. disc or something ridiculous. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's absolutely mental. Imagine what you'd um, say of making them smaller with Chris's idea. <laughs> exactly. Less Eight holes, less drilling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, um, that's that's important during a budget. Yeah, um, actually, yeah. So, before we do move on from that, I just want to say a quick thank you to Reddit user catching is one thing because that's who's overtaking work I use, nice. Um, nice and that name. that person is very diligent on going through the race post event, which <laughs> yeah. is why it normally takes a day for the doc to be up to date. Um, so yeah, but yeah, thank you for that because it's been useful. <laughs> um, in terms of other tweaks, I think you guys talked last week about end plates. How we seem to have a lot of. Yes, we did. End plates falling off all over the track yeah, this season. I scary. think something about that could do with being tweaked. And I think the other thing that's probably got worse with the new cars is the amount of spray in the rain. Like mm-hmm. wet weather racing is like basically a no, a non-starter this season. And I did see today there's like talk within the rule makers of like perhaps bringing in some kind of wheel fairings, maybe just. Some uh, just when using the wet tires, possibly. So, something just little mud at. flaps that pop, that did pop, pop, pop on like, with the wheels. Did, yeah. Didn't we have that exact discussion, Stu? Me and you. At I one think we point. Might have. At one point, they had the the wheel guards, the aero wheel guards that stayed in position while the wheel turned. You could yeah, have some so... sort of attachment like that that sort of went over, like like a fairing that goes over the top of. But only on the wet wheels. Oh, the yeah, wet went on tires. with the wet tires. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you could do something. It's possible to do something like that. Um, obviously, it need, it'd be, need developing. And yeah. obviously, as well, teams would be trying to use that to then get aerodynamic benefit. Oh, you'd have to standardise them. Yeah. Well, the front ones are standardised, are they not? I believe. Yeah, currently, yes. Yeah, are. yeah. The, the, the sort of the wheel brows that they've had for this season to, to regulate. <laughs> that's what they're calling them, wheel brow. To yes. regulate the um, airflow around the front wheels and along the remainder of you know down the path of the body of the car yeah, um, yeah that is that is standardized um, you'd have to do something uh, like that then, wouldn't you? Yeah. But, um, that they've got to adhere to a certain spec yeah i think well i think it comes with the it co- kind of comes with the tire because every you know they're all got the same tires yeah so, yeah 
So it kind of it's just an attachment that goes on onto the wheel and works in the yeah. same way that the the old fairings did in like two thousand and nine ish. So this is a technology that does exist. It's possible to do. How it would look, I think, would look a bit naff, probably. Yeah, it definitely would. But I mean, you know. But what's more it's, it's naff? Kind of up to them. It's, it's up to them. Well, yeah, exactly. I'd rather see what's, them. Have I'd rather see like them on track on. with a naff wheel cover than see them sat in the pits not doing anything. And That's more also, naff to me. There's the other argument of how is it going to affect the aerodynamics of the the car itself. You know, that's that's where Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari are going to start asking questions like, "Hold on a minute, is this going to screw the airflow around our car? Yeah, make but because make it make it mm-hmm. not efficient in high speed corners. There's, there's all kinds of like, there's really, a lot of really testing you could do with it. To this, yeah, yeah, it's not there is a lot to just, consider. It's not as simple as just slapping a wheel cover on it. <laughs> it's, it's how does that interact with the car itself? I mean, for the FIA, it probably is. <laughs> yeah, well, the FIA couldn't even come up with a proper halo protection solution could they because one person said oh it makes me dizzy or something <laughs> and then just yeah never, there was something never, like ever that. tested it again so yeah yeah well that rounds that one off nicely <laughs> <laughs> um, that that is it for the abu dhabi review um we are working on basically a whole bunch of content to see us into the christmas period so we've got Oh, we've got a season review for the drivers and the teams, and I believe Chris is planning on doing the quiz again. I think we'll bring back the quiz. Yeah, that was a good. So he thinks year. we'll bring yeah, back. Yeah. The we, quiz. we got some stuff. We got some stuff lined up. We got some stuff lined yeah. up. Yeah, we got stuff so that we, works. We will be doing what we can to stay weekly over the over the off season, um, bringing out bits of content where we can. A um, little bit of break over Christmas and New Year, but that's that's a few weeks away yet. Don't be thinking about that. It's still November. Sorry, I mentioned it. Okay. <laughs> let's let's um, just end the show then. <laughs> yeah, let's just let's just stop. No, if you would like to reach out for any of the future shows we've got, just head to social media and search Back of the Grid. That is the easiest way. You can also head to backofthegrid.com where there is a contact form and you can email us hello at backofthegrid.com. Um, head to the website as well if you want to go find out more about our sponsor Grid Rival and also if you want to just get pre-signed up for next season's Prediction League if you're that keen go sign up now if you really want to Um, and that is it we will see you next week for the start of our season reviews goodbye everyone Bye. bye